the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD and at WFMD.com. I am your host, Chris Murray. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well and a good program laid out for you today. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the top stories, some earnings data, some economic data, especially in housing. And also joining me in just a little bit, a friend of the program, Miss Laura Reese. She's a director of Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Um, she was uh, recently the acting deputy chief of staff at the Department of Homeland uh, Security. Um, so we're going to be talking about immigration, what's going on. We know it's just a total mess right now. Um, obviously, it has to do with national security, among other important issues. And remember, uh, we focus on the world of finance here. But if you don't have economic or excuse me, if you don't have national security, you can't have economic security and financial security. So we're going to be talking about that, getting an update from Ms. Reese on that. Um, you know, interesting, we haven't had a whole lot of deal making so far in 2020, but there was one that really caught my eye this week. I think it's good for uh, the country. It's good for American workers and it's good for American consumers. Um, Oak agreed to buy a company called Magellan Midstream Partners. This is an $18.8 billion cash and stock transition. It's going to create one of the largest U.S. oil and natural gas pipeline operators that we have here in the country. So these pipeline operators are increasingly turning to acquisitions for growth. And uh, this acquisition will give uh, Oniok, uh, which currently transports only natural gas and its byproducts, access to a network of crude oil and refined products, the conduits and terminals uh, going all the way from Texas up to Minnesota. So, like I said, hopefully that's going to be good for the energy sector, for American workers, and good for pricing. So it might help the American consumer a little bit because of the nonsense that we see as far as uh, unnecessary energy cost. Speaking of uh, energy, again, the Department of Energy announced this week that it intends to buy oil to replenish our strategic petroleum reserve which has been depleted, of course, to multi-decade low levels. Um, totally um, uh, stupid what they did releasing all of the oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is for a national emergency. But um, the Department of Energy, this really is just to kind of throw a token out to say that we're trying to do something positive. Um, they're only looking to purchase uh, a maximum to, of 3 million barrels of crude oil. Um, our SPR about a week and a half ago stood at just 362 million barrels. That's a decline of 43% from when... Biden assumed office. Our strategic petroleum reserve for emergencies for us here in the country is 43% lower than what it was when this current administration came in. The administration sold a record 180 million barrels 
from the reserves last year alone trying to play with gas prices. So instead of doing the right thing and getting out of the way for our uh, energy sector, they're trying to hold all of us hostage and that sector hostage uh, because of their climate um, scam that they have going on and um, all the different things that they're doing as far as laundering money and paying people off and funneling money back to, you know, campaigns, you name it. So um, you have to remember the previous administration filled the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, topped it off when oil was in its 20, uh, somewhere around $20 a barrel, between 20 and 30. And now you've got these clowns that say we're going to buy up to a whopping 3 million barrels, not even to put a dent compared to the 180 million barrels that they've sold, some to foreign countries that hate our guts. And they're going to do that at uh, probably around 70 dollars a barrel. So, obviously, the numbers don't lie. And uh, the um, objective is crystal clear as far as what they're trying to do. So, um, it's really a shame, and it continues to punish people every single day at the pumps just like it has for the last couple over two years now. And this is a problem because we also saw this week that Americans racked up more debt in the first quarter of 2023. You've got a growing number of households that are falling behind on payments for several types of loans. This was according to a report that I saw published on Monday from the uh, New York Federal Reserve. So the first three months of 2023, household debt surged to a fresh record of $17.05 trillion, over $17 trillion. That's an increase of $148 billion from just the previous quarter. And um, before the virus came, balances um, what the, the, the household debt was then, Balances are now $2.9 trillion higher than before the end of 2019, before the virus. That's, uh, again, that says it all, right? When you're looking at facts, you're looking at numbers, uh, tabulation. And by the way, like I had mentioned, this is from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, who, um, you know, is pretty good at cherry, all these uh, organizations and agencies are pretty good at cherry picking. You would have thought they could, if they were trying to do that, they could have picked some better numbers, but that just wasn't the case. Staying with the Federal Reserve for a minute, we also learned more this week on top of what we had already learned this past month. But we had um, the House committee um, listening to the Federal Reserve Vice Chair for Supervision, and the FDIC chairman um, before this House committee on the banking system coming up with more excuses, in my opinion. So they were saying since the virus made its way here from China, the Federal Reserve System has undergone a cultural shift in supervision. And this may have been another contributing factor to the mess that we've seen in the banking system. So the House Financial Services Committee had this hearing. Um, As I mentioned, it featured testimony from the Fed Vice Chair for Supervision, Barr, 
and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation Chair Gruenberg. And um, they were talking about Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and all the other nonsense that's going on, saying that there's been a cultural shift. That's not true. This isn't some brand new cultural shift that you blame on the virus. We saw this during the Obama administration, and we talked about it here on the program years and years and years ago. Back then, Janet Yellen was talking up income equality and other class warfare issues instead of focusing on, look, the Fed has a dual mandate, two things. That's what you do at the Fed. That's what Congress chartered you for. Uh, you're supposed to be independent, which that's totally questionable. Um, we see politics seep in there just like we did last year, especially with the reappointment. Um, but two things, dual mandate, price stability. What does that mean? Don't let inflation get out of control. Full employment. What does that mean? Do what you can in the monetary system to help as many people enter and stay in the workforce as possible. That's as simple as terms. That's all it is. That's, that's what it means. So how does inflation go from 1.4% when the, this administration took over to last June, it was up to, you know, 9.1%. And you've got a target of two. You're not doing your job, you know, and it's not um, the fault of the virus. That's baloney. You know, you're just not doing your job. You're you're um, engaging in social issues and you shouldn't be. So for people at the Fed, just do your job for the regulators at the banks. The Silicon Valley Bank, they were you had regulators that are embedded. They're literally at the bank. How can you not see the things that were crystal clear to see? It wasn't even complicated. It wasn't some crazy derivative scheme or collateralized debt obligation or any of the nonsense we saw, we saw during the last financial crisis and housing crisis. This was a bank, just like so many others, that put too much money in government securities. And then the Federal Reserve was late to the party on inflation. They have to get overly aggressive to try to catch up, and you put all these banks um, upside down when it comes to their assets, right? Not rocket science, but it definitely wasn't the virus's fault, so quit making stuff up. Quit putting the blame where the blame doesn't belong. It's right at your feet. Stay out of social issues. Focus on your mandate. Dual mandate, price stability, we shouldn't have the inflation we have, and especially the inflation that we had over the last year and a half. It's getting better, but you think we're impressed? You think that, you know, we're going to clap for you, that you're doing a good job because inflation isn't 9% anymore? Nope. You've caused way too much damage, um, and you have to wonder was a lot of it intentional. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I could have had a first grader, second grader say, look, our target's two. 
All right, let's keep an eye on that target. Two, two percent. Get, you know, get a nod. Okay, I understand. All right, a couple months goes by. Hey, hey, our our inflation is at two point five or three percent. We better pay attention, right? Definitely. Let's start paying attention. Do we need to do one or a couple little things to the shots across the bow, if you will, kind of settle things down? All right now. Nothing's done, nothing's done, nothing's done. Inflation, 7 8 9%. Now you're going to get aggressive. Now you're going to get in the game. My second grader would have put you out of your job. No questions asked. We also had a lot of big earnings this week, and uh, it was mixed. Mixed story. Really interesting to see the stories we're hear- hearing, especially from these big retailers who, unfortunately, the big ones were chosen as uh, winners when it did come to the virus. Um, but now that we're out of all that nonsense and have been for a couple years, um, you look and you you listen to what these big retailers are say, saying. Home Depot, they missed their revenue expectation, and they also lowered their profit and sales outlook for the rest of the year. So the CEO at Home Depot, the guy's name is Ted Decker, on the uh, earnings call, he basically was saying, look, it's a more cautious consumer, um, and um, they're taking on even the pros, uh, professional contractors that work there, are taking on smaller uh type projects so what does that mean it means that again inflation is um has has done a lot of damage and continues to do a lot of damage and that people are being very cautious with what they do with discretionary spending so they're not going to put some big project up maybe at their house in addition or whatever it looks like from what i could tell they're just fixing the things that need to be fixed so whether they're getting a contractor to do that or they're doing it themselves, that seems to what uh, seems to be the story at Home Depot. We'll, well, we will hear from Lowe's next week, so we'll see if that's the same story or if this is you know um, a, a real difference between these two big uh, home improvement retailers. And then you had a company like TJ Maxx. Oh, I'm sorry, TJX, which is the parent company. For TJ Maxx, Marmax, Home Goods, Marshalls, all those stores fall under TJX companies. They had better than expected first quarter profit, and they actually raised their uh, full year guidance. So it looks like, again, you've got a lot of people that look for those bargains. They're out there. They're saying, hey, here's some things that uh, didn't work well in other stores, but I sure like them here at wherever home goods or whatever it is. And um, it was beneficial for those companies uh, and those, or I should say for those stores uh, because they did well and Walmart and they did well. They came out and said uh, they actually raised their sales and profit outlook for the rest of the year as well, saying that their consumer has remained resilient after seeing a boost in grocery and e-commerce business. So, you know, the TJX companies, Walmart, you're looking at um, coming down on the scale as far as um, um, where where people shop as far as their income levels. You're, you're seeing, according to Walmart's CEO, um, the guy's name is Doug McMillan. He was telling analysts on the call that even higher income people are shopping more at Walmart. 
And um, that's good for Walmart. The other positive for that company was their e-commerce sales were up 27% in the United States and 26% in e-commerce globally. That was a a lot from the 17% we saw the previous quarter. So um, Walmart, you know, doing well. Then I just want to, you know, I talked with uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick about this a little bit during uh, one of our calls on the Morning News Express. Target came out this week. And um, Target had a different story. Target was talking about losing $500 million in profits this year because of shoplifting, because of theft in their stores. So Brian Cornell is their CEO. He's like, hey, people are stealing all this stuff. By the way, we lost $750 million in shoplifting last year because of shoplifting last year. Um when products are stolen, they're no longer available to, you know, have on the shelf for people that need it. Um, he also mentioned that violent incidents are increasing at Target and throughout the retail industry. So they're worried about their workers. They're worried about the shoppers. And um, they said that uh, they engaged in a variety of mitigation efforts, is the way they put it, um, to help, again, keep their workers and their shoppers safe. I don't, this is, I don't see how this is going to work. And why was this not brought up as strongly in, with a lot of these other companies? Um, first quarter net income slipped six percent at target you're talking about again this is a big retailer having serious problems and you have to wonder we've been on this for well look me with target or whoever you are whatever company it goes back over a decade when i would bash you for not letting the um uh, salvation army ring a bell at christmas it was just stupid and target decided to do that because it was a Christian organization, which is questionable now. But anyway, um, so, you know, it started then. Now you've got Target, and I've talked about this the last five years or so, um, that are all in on um, the, the abuse and mutilation of um, children when it comes to trying to tell them that they can uh, change their their sex, which, of course, is not true. Uh, that's a lie. That's a devil's lie. Uh, but Target, like I said, they're all in. So what do they do? Well, they make chest binders that little girls can put around their, uh, y- you know, their their upper body to try to um, compress certain areas that um, naturally would um, would grow over time. Um, they have compression underwear for little boys. Look, folks, I'm talking four to eight-year-olds and five to seven-year-olds, along with all the other stupid stuff that they have for the drag queens and, and, and you name it, right? So 
Target's all in on this. They have been for years and years and years. You go back, you know, five years or so at least. So I really wonder, and I wish I had been on that uh, earnings call, because somebody needs to ask them how this is impacting your store and your sales because you literally make uh, probably half, hopefully more than that, of the American population vomit with uh, what you are encouraging for these um, these children. So I just want to throw that out there. You have to wonder, is that also impacting in a very negative way Target and some of these other um, retailers? We'll keep an eye on it, let you know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some economic data, including um, some housing info. Stay tuned. Chihau is my Everest, and the Coosa is my now. Alabama's where I was born and raised, and I think I'll stay a while. It's Regency Furniture's spectacular Memorial Day sale, and the best time to buy new furniture is now. Save an extra 25% off Regency's lowest prices, plus free delivery and setup, or 72-month special financing. Memorial Day deals. Sofas, your choice, $3.95. Reclining sofas, $5.95. Dining sets, $4.95. Queen beds, $2.95. Thousands of items in stock at Regency's lowest prices. Save an extra 25% off, plus free delivery and setup, or 72-month special financing. Regency Furniture's Memorial Day sale in Frederick and Hagerstown. In a world of virtual reality, simulation, and lies, what's real, true, trustworthy? God's Word is real, true, and trustworthy, holding answers to life's difficult, perplexing, and important questions. That's the commitment of Household of Faith in Christ, a church in Frederick pursuing authentic relationships, history, and reality. A place where you're treated as God's image bearer, held accountable for sin, reminded of the cross, directed to holy living, and encouraged by the promise of the glory to come. Household of Faith in Christ. Learn more at Household of faith in Christ.com. Controversy, fun, confrontation, and a few laughs on Mid Maryland Live with Tim and Frank. Weekday afternoons, 3 till 6 on Free Talk 930 WFMD. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930, WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts. You can catch it there. And, um, you know, I mentioned uh, quite a bit of economic data this past week. And, uh, you know, when you look at the housing sector, uh, that continues to be really in sharp focus because of what's going on with interest rates. Um, so there was a couple pieces that came out that, uh, again, we looked at really closely. Uh, we did see the confidence among home builders in the U.S. increased more than expected this month. So uh, that was good to see the National Association of Home Builders, their housing market index, which measures the pulse of the single-family housing market, rose five points to a reading of 50. That's the highest reading we've seen since last July. And it marked the first time in nearly a year that the index pulled out of negative territory, so being below 50. So 50 is a break-even point. If you're above, if you're 50 or above, 
then you've got confidence. Obviously, the higher the number, the better you are. And if you're below that, um, then it's contraction and people in that industry aren't feeling too good. So um, it was good to see that. Uh, you know, it's still far, far away from uh, what we saw a little over a year ago um, when it was uh, 81, I think, was the number. So it, it's really uh, taken a toll, these these interest rates and inflation and just a lot of other things, consumer confidence. But the builders are feeling a little bit better, at least so far this month. We saw new U.S. home construction rebound in April. Uh, but the housing market remains, you know, still in a, a slump, I think it's fair to say. Housing starts were up 2.2% last month, according to the uh, Commerce Department. Uh, that was above what... Uh, Economists were forecasting they actually were looking for a decline. Year over year, April to April, uh, new housing starts were down 22.3%. Also, uh, applications, um, building permits, um, they were down 1.5%. So here we have the builder feeling a little more uh, confident. In May, even just last June, though, we see that uh, the numbers were down from the previous month. And then we look at existing home sales. Uh, that, unfortunately, th- those numbers continue to slide last month. Limited inventory, high prices um, is what really caused sales of previously owned homes to tumble 3.4% in April from where they were the previous month, the National Association of Realtors chief economist was saying that home sales are bouncing back and forth, but remain above recent cyclical lows. Uh, the combination of job gains, limited inventory, fluctuating mortgage rates over the last several months has created an environment of push-pull when it comes to housing demand is the way that he put it. I think one thing that kind of really shows a, a problem is that limited inventory along with the higher interest rates i get that higher mortgage rates but limited inventory has bolstered demand so homes sold on average in just 22 days in um in april down from the 29 days in march so that's pretty quick turnover i think you'd agree and that's why it's still um, a seller's market. So um, it's it's tough out there, and we'll, we'll really have to see if we can get these buy or excuse me builders to crank out more homes because they're so needed, and also if the Fed can get their act together and uh, get some stability when it comes to uh, to interest rates, because obviously that has an impact on. Um, on those mortgage rates and uh, with rates going up like they have the last year more than doubling um, that's priced a lot of people out so uh, Miss Laura Reese uh, talking about border security on the other side stay tuned 2000 and something I don't remember a single body we didn't show up drunk yet so when I first kissed her lips, I know she damn sure tasted with This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Now. 
WFMD News. A Frederick man was sentenced on Friday in U.S. District Court to 42 months in prison for possession of child pornography. As part of his sentence, 38-year-old Daniel Morozovich will be placed on lifetime supervised release after he gets out of prison and must pay $14,000 in restitution. Morozovich is a former Rockville police officer and an Army National Guardsman. The U.S. Attorney's Office for Maryland says Morozovich received, possessed, and distributed child pornography from September 2020 to January 2021. Federal officials say on at least four occasions, Morozovich passed off this material to undercover law enforcement. Enforcement officers. They also say Morozovich possessed more than 12,000 depictions of child pornography and erotica. The Maryland State Highway Administration will install new guardrails along a three-mile stretch of U.S. Route 15 in Frederick. The work is expected to take place this coming Sunday through Thursday from 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. each day. District Engineer Andrew Ratcliffe says this project follows the fatal tanker truck crash and explosion in March along Route 15 near Apple Avenue. We took a look at guardrail throughout the entirety of the corridor to see areas where there there was none and there was an opportunity for to add greater protection for our, our neighbors there in Frederick. Ratcliffe says the guardrails protect an errant vehicle from leaving the road and getting into a bad crash. So the guardrail is um, is going to match what's, what's out there already. It's what we call the W-beam. It's a steel barrier. It's about... Um, 30 inches high off the ground, um, supported by steel posts. He said the project is expected to be completed by the end of next week, weather permitting. And for more details on these and other stories you hear on WFMD, go to our website, WFMD.com. I'm Kevin McManus, WFMD News. News. I'm Karen McHugh. Ukraine's war with Russia and whether to supply them with F-16 fighter jets getting a lot of attention at the G-7 summit in Japan. The U.S. is not sending F-16s right away. Instead, they are supporting a plan to train Ukrainian pilots in Europe. And we are being told that at a later date, the United States and other partners from the G-7 will decide when the Ukrainians can take those jets and who will be providing them. Fox's Peter Ducey with Title 42 now expired. Texas is looking after its own border. Many were expecting that this border would be complete chaos with the ending of Title 42, but the reality is that we've seen numbers actually drop from the peaks of that surge just before Title 42 ended. They're down about 60 to 70 percent from that surge. Texas has spent more than two billion dollars on border security over the last two years. Fox's Dan Springer. America is listening to Fox News. The 930 WFMD Skyscan forecaster Frederick and the surrounding counties for this afternoon. Mostly cloudy showers are likely high 77. Tonight, showers likely possibly a thunderstorm before 9 p.m. Then a slight chance of showers between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. Mostly cloudy and gradually becoming mostly clear with a low of 51. Sunny day, Sunday, high 79. Clear Sunday night, low 55. Sunny Monday, high 79. PJ's Roofing, when it comes to your roof, they've got you covered. Visit PJsRoofing.com. I'm Jim Tice. At Ashley's biggest Memorial Day mattress sale, save up to $1,100 on Ashley's Sleep Adjustable Sets and save up to $900 on Beautyrest Black Adjustable Sets. Plus, get up to 72 months no interest financing and free rapid delivery at Ashley in Frederick, Hagerstown, and Chambersburg. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts and uh, you can grab it there. Uh, winding up our conversation uh, with our guest this morning, Miss Laura Reese, and uh, she is a director of the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, just go to heritage.org. And uh, you can see all of uh, Laura's and her colleagues' work. Uh, it's a tremendous resource um, at the Heritage Foundation. Their website has a, a ton of information on pretty much every issue that might be um, in your mind. And, and you can get some, some honest, well-written, fact-based um, information that you can spend some time on with your reading um, whenever you have that, that extra time. It, but it's really good. Her latest piece is, to effectively address the border crisis, Congress must narrow scope of parole authority. And again, go to heritage.org to grab that. So, Laura, um, what was the main point you were trying to get across in this article? So this administration and, and the Obama administration before it keep using this tool that's in the Immigration Act. It's supposed to be humanitarian parole. And, and I don't want to – don't think uh, parole out of criminal jail. That's different. Immigration parole is to let someone into the U.S. on a – for urgent humanitarian need or in, in a critical public interest on a case-by-case basis, on a temporary basis. And when the ground is over, they return to their prior status, which is, you know, without authority to be here. The classic example is someone who needs emergency medical surgery and they don't have time to go get a visa. But what this administration is doing is mass paroling in tens of thousands of illegal aliens every month under numerous programs. Most of them are based on nationality, Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, Ukrainians, Afghanistan. Um, And the secretary simply doesn't have the authority to do this, first of all because this is kind of like a visa, and only Congress can authorize such immigration benefits. So he's acting outside of his authority, number one. Number two, it's in clear violation of on a case-by-case basis. It's not for urgent humanitarian need, nor is this in the public interest. Uh, and numerous courts have ordered as such uh, against this administration, but they continue to ignore the court findings. And they keep continuing these mass parole programs and then lie about it, calling them, quote, unquote, lawful pathways. Um, There's nothing lawful about it, as I've explained, and it doesn't make the aliens who use it lawful. Um, And so they're playing this shell game. They're, They're telling future illegal aliens, don't cross between the ports of entry anymore. Use this CBP Mobile One application. Make an appointment for a uh, at a port of entry, and we'll let you in and parole you in for two years and give you work authorization. And that's your quote unquote lawful pathway. Um, and so then the, now the administration's claiming, well, look, our numbers are down at the border. Our, our programs are working, uh, but really they just want you to keep looking at the numbers between the ports not those crossing through the ports, and those numbers have been rapidly rising. Yeah, just a smoke and mirrors, unfortunately. And, and uh, again, if people aren't listening to uh, this program or 
reading your information, they they don't understand that, uh, and it just goes over their head because they're being misled, manipulated. Um, and and I saw on your or on the site another, um, you know, some other pieces that you've done in this area, uh, and they're they're so good. The the latest folks, uh, May seventeenth, um, our guest Miss Laura Reese did a piece. Um, to effectively address the border crisis, Congress must narrow scope of parole authority. As you just learned, and I know I didn't realize all that, um, it's it's very, very informative, and it will help you to keep your antennas up when you're, when you're being talked to about uh, different uh, numbers at the border, the statistics, if you will. So go to heritage.org, and uh, Laura's uh, last name is spelled R-I-E-S. Uh, obviously, if you're driving, don't try to write that down. Just drop me an email, and I'll get you um, Laura's correct name spelling. And, again, it's heritage.org. Laura, like uh, previous times, really appreciate uh, the information that you provide. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're very busy, so thanks. And uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Happy to do it. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks, Laura. Have a great rest of the weekend. And uh, that does it for, I mean, she is just tremendous, just like so many of her colleagues at uh, the Heritage Foundation. These people know what they're doing. Um, and um, they, they've accomplished so much that's good for the country. So that's why I encourage you to go to heritage.org. Uh, just like many of the other guests that we have uh, on the program, um, it, it's the kind of things that you need to hear and you need to read about um, as far as what's best for our country, ourselves, our families, especially our children, which are our future. So um, I would encourage you, again, to go to heritage.org. And, um, and and check it out. And that does it for us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's program. It's uh, It was fun for me, that's for sure. And um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Uh, we do those... Um, we do those calls live at 5.50, 6.50, 7.50 a.m. Uh, every weekday morning. And then um, I'll be back here next Saturday for another program. So uh, we'll be back for another edition of your financial editor program. So this is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.